24 minutes in front of the hour here on the Big Talker FM, uh, rolling through this uh, short week. Uh, yeah, work. Going to take a couple of days uh, to hang with the family, uh, enjoy uh, what the Thanksgiving weekend uh, should be all about. Uh, and, uh, well, myself, uh, my uh, two younger sisters, and uh, their very small families as we get together uh, nearly, uh, well, multiple times each week. We'll be doing so this week again, as we've done uh, multiple days uh, a time uh, through the last several months uh, in each individual week. And it just so happens that it'll be Thursday and uh, the day of Thanksgiving. The next time we'll be getting together. That said, due to Governor Cooper's news briefing yesterday, as he said, the state is prepared to step in if the next 7 to 14 days don't go the way he wants them to go. Not giving us much science and data to run with that other than a nice color-coded map to tell us where cases are rising. Pete Callender was following yesterday's news briefing. He is host of the Pete Callender Show and podcast that you can find on his website at thepetecallendershow.com. Pete, good morning, my friend. I hope you're doing well. Hey, I I am. I am doing well. I'm sorry. I just I was just uh, filing a complaint here uh, with the state about your Thanksgiving plans. I think that's what they want me to do now is to rat out everybody that I'm aware of that's having Thanksgiving celebrations. I think that's what they want. Well, so as long as we all wear masks before we chow down on our feast, then we're okay. Is that not what he told us yesterday? Well, they are asking everyone to cancel Thanksgiving. That's the first request. Please don't have Thanksgiving with a large gathering from anybody outside your household. Uh, If you are going to do that, then do it outside. No more than 10 people. Uh, wear the masks and what last week they gave all sorts of tips on, uh, you know, disposable, uh, you know, silverware and plates and have, you know, maybe bring your own food. So it's like a potluck where you bring your own Thanksgiving meal and eat it with your family. But they're at a different table than you are, like out on the front lawn. Um, and, and so, yeah, there there are a lot of these types of recommendations that are coming. But yesterday was definitely sort of an, uh, a ratcheting up of uh, not just uh, sort of the the rhetoric, but also the enforcement efforts. They're now saying, uh, you know, you're, if you're in a car with somebody that's not from your household, you both have to be wearing a mask. Um, they're saying businesses have to put somebody out in front of their business if they're over 15,000 square feet uh, and they've got to you know, ensure compliance and they have to make sure that they're not violating the capacity caps. Because honestly, that was one of the things like I was kind of curious, how are how are these big box retailers actually monitoring, you know, their capacity limits uh, during uh, you know during the the pandemic? I, I was never clear on that. So now I guess this is their effort to do that. Um to make sure that there's compliance there. But the whole premise of what we saw yesterday from the governor was that uh, that a masks work and B um, that uh, all of the argument is uh, about compliance. And if we just get everybody to comply, then we can, as he said, stem the tide of these numbers. We can we can ratchet them back down. Well, my question was just sort of fundamental about his his initial premise, which is um how do you know that people are not complying? I'm curious how he knows this. Is there is is there a study that I've not seen from statewide that shows, uh, you know, a lack of compliance and that if we have more compliance, then all these numbers go down? Because what I'm seeing all over the place is sort of areas that got hit earlier a few months ago 
Um, they are now sort of uh, in a holding pattern. They're kind of leveled off a little bit. And areas that were not hit hard earlier, they are now getting hit hard. It's almost like it's a virus and it's just spreading because it's not contained. I made mention of that just a few minutes ago, you know, as I can read the color-coded map. And too bad we didn't have that same tool in our box, you know, a couple of months ago, because then what we would see is that, in fact, maybe a bit of a reversal. Some of the rural, most more sparsely populated counties would be in the quote-unquote yellow portion of the map, while many of the more densely populated urban areas would be in the red, because, as you mentioned, that is where the spread of the virus was more, uh, you know, you could tell that uh, this is where it was getting hit a little bit harder first time around as compared to where we are today. Hey, on the you know, compliance of the mask. I'm not sure, you know, where you go shopping or what you do day to day, but I think I'm going to conduct a non-scientific study after the program and go to the hardware store and then shoot over to the grocery store and, uh, you know, count single-handedly every person I come in contact with and make sure that they're in compliance. And then, well, just crunch the numbers here because it seems to me that a good portion, there's some outliers and some rebels out there, but for the most part, people are wearing their masks, yet cases continue to go up. I mean, how could that be, Pete? Yeah, I well, because it's a virus and it's so pervasive now. It's already in the community. It's spreading all over the place. Like they can't even contact Trace back to small gatherings. Last week they said, you know, no more small gatherings, limit those. But they can't contact trace that kind of thing with any kind of certainty. I mean, yes, they can say, okay, a couple of people have it. They have the, the uh, they, you know, they tripped positive on the PCR testing, which is a whole different issue altogether about the cycle thresholds and, you know, how, uh, how we're, we're counting cases uh, because they trip positive on these tests. But a case doesn't necessarily mean infected. It doesn't mean contagious. People hear case and they think those things, but that's not necessarily the case. But that's a whole different argument as well. Um, it's uh, They can't contact Trace to a lot of specific places because it's so widespread already. And like you mentioned with these color-coded maps, uh, had they had they put these maps out there six months ago, then, yeah, you would have seen the exact opposite. Uh, you would have seen, the, you know, bright red in like Mecklenburg County and uh, Wake County and such, because and you also had remember the the demonstrations and the protests going on, but nobody was allowed to talk about spread at those events. But now that the uh, the virus is spread into the rural areas, which by the way are also impacted by what prisons that are usually located in rural areas, and when they have an outbreak at a prison, those numbers go to the county. And um, so we were looking at those maps, and now you're getting this really disgusting kind of narrative that is, oh, now it's the Republican areas because they're not wearing masks. It's this it's this blame shifting, and I understand to some extent because it's human nature to try and you know blame somebody for this malady that is occurring but it's a virus and you know the the republican areas of the state did not ask for it neither did the democratic areas of the state it's a virus and if you want to blame some people for it blame china like i don't understand why this is so difficult you can totally blame them i'm fine with that Pete Callender with us, host of the Pete Callender Show. You can find it on uh, the website, appropriately named the Pete Callender Show dot com. 
giving us a report from yesterday's news briefing. Pete, any outside uh, news agencies uh, that haven't been uh, asked, uh, given the opportunity to ask Governor Cooper a question, uh, were they allowed uh, yesterday to uh, present their ideas and questions to the governor, who uh, is one of the only governors, in fact, uh, that still is holding virtual uh, news briefings, uh, while mostly everyone else, even, I mean, even the messiah of Governor Andrew Cuomo even allows people inside uh, the room to be in his presence, Mm -hmm. uh, but yet Governor Cooper refuses to do so. So just fathom the irony on that, where we are taking the orders of a governor who can't figure out how to hold a press conference in person, right? And we're and we're we're taking the orders from this administration, and they don't know how to figure that out. Where where other governors have look uh, like the the reason why they they manage the press conferences the way they do is because they want to manage the press conferences, right? Uh, North State Journal did a uh, as far as I know the only story that took a deep dive into how they actually do this, and it's a software program that was uh, developed for community organizing and grassroots activism and such. And the whole concept was to create breakout groups so you can create teams so everybody can watch the presentation, but not everybody can interact directly with the presenter. And uh, that's what the that's what they're using. That's what the administration went out, purchased, implemented. And they basically segregate certain reporters into, you know, the the team that gets to ask questions. And I'm becoming more and more frustrated watching now for eight months these press conferences. I used to be a reporter and I understand, you know, sometimes you don't have a good question. Well, then don't ask a question like don't hit the button to get in the queue. If all you're going to ask is a forward looking speculative question that's like, oh, well, what are we going to do? Uh, if it uh, gets worse, uh, wh- what are you going to do to move us backwards? Like, these are all speculation. Like, why not ask some more fundamental questions about the science? Why not show some bit of skepticism? Here's an idea. Pretend Cooper's a Republican just for a minute. Just pretend he's a Republican and treat him like that. And maybe you'll have some sort of challenging questions now. One of the positive things that I don't know if he meant to let slip out of uh, you know his mouth was the fact uh, that while, yeah, we're seeing an increase in cases and, yeah, we're seeing an increase in hospitalizations, uh, by and large, uh, many of our hospitals are stable and have the capacity to, uh, well, deal with any surge that they may see. And, uh, in fact, uh, in addition to that, uh, that the percentage of positive tests, you know, the, the numbers and the data telling us uh, that we're still in a decent position here as a state uh, when it comes to, you know, how we're handling this so, overall. I mean, even in, in Mecklenburg County, for instance, as one reporter noted, that Novant and Atrium, two of the big health care providers there, are ready. They have been through this for the last 10 months. If we need more capacity, we're going to provide more capacity. We haven't hit that point yet. Uh, did he mean to say that yesterday as he was you know, trying to uh, lure us back into our caves uh, to uh, just <laughs> hold, hold on for just a little longer to, to see if the light at the end of the tunnel is, is going to come upon us here soon enough? I think so. I, and I think at this point with the vaccines now on the horizon, I think everyone is sort of, uh, you know, trying to tread water long enough until that happens. I, I it, it's it is an interesting uh comparison to listen to the the narrative crafting that occurred early on when the numbers were kind of leveling off 
and uh, that was because of everything he had done. But now that the, now that the numbers are going up, it's because we're not doing enough. It's because we're weary. It's because we're not complying. We're not doing what he's telling us to do. And so we're going to have to mask harder. You know, we're going to have to distance harder. So um, it's it just it that's the narrative. And I think he can get away with that until the vaccine comes because it's now on the horizon. Um, I think, like I said earlier, it's a virus. It's going to do what it does. And when uh, certain areas will be overloaded, that's going to happen because the spread is throughout the community. And so now the question is, can you deploy the resources necessary to, uh, you know, to to keep people, you know, like a field hospital to get it set up to uh, uh, to treat people that present with symptoms and that sort of thing? Yeah, you're going to have to respond to the epidemic because it's continuing and hasn't stopped. It's not because we're not doing our jobs and we're not doing it well enough. Um, It's because it's a virus and it is highly contagious. You know, and Pete, and speaking about, uh, you know, the ways in which the media covers uh, Republicans uh, when they're in elected positions of power within our government, uh, you know, not too long ago, everyone was criticizing President Trump, of course, for taking this too nonchalantly and not providing us everything up front. Yet then when his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, basically came out and said, listen, this is a virus. It's going to spread. Uh, They wanted to burn him at the stake. It's amazing how they can have it both ways when they control the news cycle. Well, that is one of the greatest benefits of being a Democrat um, is that you get that kind of uh, you get that uh, the double standard coverage and you get the protection. I call it the big D shield. It's just you just put that in front of you and it just deflects all sorts of uh, examination and criticism. It's it really must be nice, although, honestly, I think it makes a lot of the uh, a, a lot of our friends on the left who make these arguments. It makes them intellectually lazy because they don't have to. Uh, argue their position and defend their position. I've said for years, unchallenged ideas are easy to hold. And if nobody ever challenges you on any of this stuff, you just get to keep saying stuff. And eventually you say the wrong thing outside of your echo chamber and people start looking at you like you're crazy. I call this the Todd Aiken effect where, you know, he had that comment about, quote, legitimate rape. And when he finally said it outside of his circle of friends, people were like, Okay, that's crazy. And it cost him the the Senate race. So uh, down in what uh, Missouri, right against Claire McCaskill all those years ago. Uh, But it is one of the nice it is one of the benefits of being a Democrat. No doubt about it. The PeteCallanderShow.com is his website. You get a daily podcast covering all sorts of issues from the western part of the state, beautiful part of our great state here in North Carolina. You can find more about what he does at ThePeteCallanderShow.com. Pete, thanks a lot. Have a happy Thanksgiving. You too, Joe. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Great talking with you. I appreciate it. And we'll get Pete back on the program in the not-so-distant future to break down uh, maybe, who knows, the next news briefing that the governor gives us in 7 to 14 days from now, if, in fact, uh, well, the numbers and the science and the data tell us uh, something different. We're 10 minutes in front of the hour. Our number is 910.